Hello there. Welcome to the 50th episode of Faith with Haith. I'm Jamie Haith in central London, and I cannot believe we are on the 50th episode. We started in the first lockdown in London last year, last beginning of May, and now we've we've gone weekly till till now. And uh, I suppose it, it had to happen at some stage. But um, my guests today, uh, I want to celebrate uh, them and this 50th episode. And I also want to celebrate women with my 50th episode. And so I thought I would welcome back Ray Griffiths, who you may remember, and her amazing daughters, Phoebe and Fleur. Hello, guys. How are you? Hello. Morning. Hello. Very well, thank you. Thanks. You're down in Hearn Hill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in Bloomsbury. I would imagine the weather is pretty similar down there. Just started raining, oh, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, ha- happy summertime, springtime, whatever. Yeah. So, so, so the so the uh, it had to happen at some stage, and that was the fact that we actually interviewed uh, yesterday, didn't we? Um, we did, and uh, it was only when I sent my um, recording off to my great friend Dan Wimpress, who is my engineer slash producer in Melbourne, Australia, believe it or not, and he sent me back a text saying, uh, "Mate, um, there's only about forty seconds on here," and because mm-hmm. I had pressed record when I thought I was ending recording. Mm-hmm. So we lost our entire podcast yesterday. I am so sorry. I am here by falling on my sword and so grateful that the three of you are willing <laughs> to come back within 24 hours and do this all again. How stupid am I? Seriously. No, no. It's what we call a growth opportunity, Jamie. Honest in the trade. Honest mistake from Fleur. Everyone did laugh actually quite a lot in our house. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I actually think, I actually think, unless we make a deep, profound point over, over yeah. this, is that yeah. faith is not mm-hmm. about perfection. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the mistakes we make in life. It's about reality. It's about authenticity. So I, I fess up to the entire world that I couldn't produce anything, really. Uh, no. but, but here we are. And we've done 50 episodes. And in celebration of 50 episodes, what better than to celebrate women? We've just had International Women's Month with uh, through March, and you guys are amazing. I want to talk about faith and being a woman with you today. How does that sound? Yeah, good. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's let's start with this. Um, the Griffiths family, and at some stage we'll get Andy Griffiths on to talk about his work with International Justice Mission, amazing uh, charity that works uh, to, to end slavery, um, modern day slavery around the world. But um, the Griffiths family, uh, if, if it's to be you three today, extraordinary family, and you won't think so looking at it from the inside out, but looking from the outside in, fantastic, wonderful, faith-filled family but I have to come across to Phoebe and to Fleur and introduce yourselves, if you would, and, and say what you're up to at the moment and uh, how old you are and, and you know, sort of where you fit into this thing called life. But um, what's it been like growing up in this mega family? And that's, that's a great, you're just going to push back on that. I know you are. Let's start with, we'll start with Phoebe. Where are you at? You're at Bristol University, but you're on your Easter holidays at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm 19 and I'm doing English at Bristol um, went there last term uh, and then luckily was lucky enough to go back after Christmas in lockdown so I've just come back to London again for 
the holidays yeah and i'm hoping to go back soon afterwards so presumably it's been a pretty wild fresher year at university yeah it's uh not the, not the one expected or planned <laughs> maybe, maybe wild is not the best word i could imagine yeah, that yeah, the partying has been i think they're doing quite a good job of that day <laughs> to be honest <laughs> within within some strict walls yeah yeah that's right and fleur how about you what are you up to at the moment um i'm 17 i'm in my last year at school so i'm taking my a levels um and yeah, I'm also on my Easter holidays, but we're not going to call it a holiday. It's more a revision, revision time for me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And Ray, you're doing well. Remind everyone uh, what you're up to these days. Uh, very involved in all kinds of things. Yeah, I so professionally, I'm, I work at using theatre to make social change. I guess broadly, that's what, what it is. So um, I work in, a, I'm a freelancer. And I work in a number of different contexts using theatre. So that might be the corporate world, um, training and presentation and storytelling and how to have impact uh, in groups and in, with individuals. And uh, I have traditionally done years and years of work in schools as well, often on themes of social justice. Um, I do some writing and I evaluate other artists' work. And more latterly, I'm um trying to well i'm taking my work um into a place of kind of crossover with some work i've been doing voluntarily uh, which is with citizens uk and uh, i've been trained in community organizing and i'm very taken with it and it's um a great passion of mine i think it's the way forward in terms of bringing structural change through uh, enabling people with lived experience particularly to to address the issues that they face the social challenges they face and to come together to make change and there's an enormous amount of crossover between that and the work of th social change in theatre so um developing a project at the minute where both of those things happen and you make a piece of theatre for for campaigning so yeah cool. uh, i'm really fortunate to have have that variety in my life it's wonderful so Phoebe Fleur, here's the thing. You've you've grown up in a family where the Christian faith has been very important and has has been a uh, the impulse really into lots of activism, doing all kinds of things. What's it been like in a nutshell growing up with Ray as your mum? <laughs> yeah, we have done quite well. Yeah, the activism thing is, I guess, I, I never, I I guess it is like very faith inspired, but we've done quite a lot outside of church and stuff like local library closing um and you've always taken us to like protests out in london and stuff like that well i guess was, that's a big thing that yeah didn't phoebe didn't you lock yourself in at um at the local library <laughs> yeah well I, I didn't lock myself in someone else locked us in <laughs> <laughs> lambert council <laughs> she tried to climb back through a window to get back in as well after we yeah. had to leave Dear yeah idea. it was it was ultimately unsuccessful. <laughs> the library continues to be open though, not yeah, quite in the yeah, form we'd yeah. hope, but it, yeah, it did work. I guess yeah, that was that was like four or five years ago now. Mm -hmm. But then I guess that inspires me to like try and get involved in stuff in Bristol now as well. Yeah. A lot of people that listen to this podcast uh, are probably. I, I have actually have no idea. All I see is where people are listening. Amazingly, mm. like I said, this is 50 episodes in now, uh, 23,000 downloads, which is fantastic. Thank you to everyone that's listened and, and supported this. But um, I, I don't actually know the demographic of who's listening to this. I would mm. imagine, Ray, it's people our age. Um, 
and uh, and when I say our age, it's people that watch Saturday Swap Shop growing up. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I watched. Yes. I, I I forced um I forced that on my son Tommy this morning, and uh, he could not believe I ever watched that. He said, <laughs> "That's this such a great idea." Good. I lock my children in and make them watch no. Saturday Morning Swap Shop. Oh, it is hilarious. But so so a lot of the point is a lot of people would be listening to this that have teenagers as as mm-hmm. as their offspring, and they also hold faith. And their desire is to give faith away to their mm-hmm. children in a way that is attractive, uh, mm. not, not pushy, um, but actually sets them up for life themselves. Mm. Blur, have, have you found that? Has, has, has it been easy to, to see your parents' faith and then make sense of it yourselves? Yeah, I think it definitely has been helpful kind of seeing their faith and seeing like the different ways that that can take form. And I think that, yeah, being kind of brought up in a Christian family, like I'm really grateful for it because I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's the, I guess the only chance I would have discovered church is if kind of one of my friends took me or something. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to grow up in a faith family. Um, I've enjoyed that. I think it's shaped both mine and Phoebe's lives in quite a nice way. Mm-hmm. Phoebe? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, Christian holidays <laughs> are like a very <laughs> central part of it. Because like, yeah, even if you don't, so like, I don't go to church at the moment, partly because of COVID, partly just because I couldn't find one. But then because I've had such a foundation of like experience of like, yeah, <laughs> camping, Christian camping, and then like godparents and seeing all your, all of like their Christian, our parents' Christian friends. There's even if like the faith part isn't as attractive, that that part is always gonna like is always gonna be a big draw back you to it. And your experience as as young girls was pretty extreme when your parents turned round one day and said, uh, "Darlings, we're moving to India." How did <laughs> yeah. that go down? How did that come about? And how did it go down? It came about. She came about in a really funny way. Over a bowl of soup. I mean, not the actual beginnings of the idea, probably, but this is how we found out about it. I think we were having lunch, weren't we, downstairs? And um, they said, "Was it Dad or you?" I think it was Dad. He said, "Um, "Is it you know? Is it time? Is it time?" And I think Mum, you went, "Um, "Yeah." So we're gonna we're thinking about moving to India and like you kind of explained it to us and, and then, then he meant was it time to open the soup yeah <laughs> was it time to open the tin of tomato yeah. soup <laughs> so then I profound of... moment of marital communication there yeah. it was received well at the time though yeah I think um, we did both we told you we're moving to India while you ate your tomato soup yeah we still got the soup easily please <laughs> yeah I think how I'm old so- were you um I was eight and Phoebe was 10. Yeah, 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 nearly 10, I think. Yeah, it was, um, well, I don't know, it was so long ago now. I, I was just sad to leave, like, primary school at the time, but then I quickly forgot about that as soon as we got there and had a great time and didn't want to leave. And I was then the yours, opposite. Yeah. I, was, I think I was young and excited at the beginning and I didn't really think about like what I would be leaving in England I mostly kind of just thought about the um opportunities and like, the fun things that would be coming in India and then when we got there it was obviously kind of big culture shock and I don't think I settled in immediately or for mm. a while actually so yeah mm. and did you understand why you were there it was 
Ray, it was for you and Andy to work with IJM. Yes, we had, um, I, I guess for a couple of years prior to going, um, begun to feel restless and uh, I think a sense of apathy in terms of um, what our faith, how it, how it shaped our lives. Um, we both were raised as Christians. Um, I packed it all in at 18 and came back to it at 24, but we both, you know, for majority of our lives had been Christians and um, we just kind of trundled along doing all the things that are the, the right things and the good things. But equally, we had um, followed a path where I suppose we were quite <laughs> traditional in some way. I'd always worked in the arts and then I'd stopped working when the girls were born, um, which I chose to do and wanted to do. And then Andy was pursuing a very, very successful path as a lawyer, a media lawyer. And he was kind of at the top of the tree in that field and just began to, we just began to go, what, what, what are we aiming for here? You know, what, what's the outcome? What's the game plan? What is this? And so gradually we'd been on a path of beginning to interrogate all of that and um, explore possibilities um i mean one of the great things about working in the arts is that you can do it all over the world um but uh we needed to find ex uh, possibilities for andy's work perhaps in the charitable sector and we'd heard about international justice mission through friends and we began to talk to them and realized quite quickly that we could be a good fit for them and them for us and uh yeah eventually after a, it took a whole year i'd say that process um and he was offered the role as field office director in Chennai, where the work is to rescue people from what's called bonded labour, which is a form of modern day slavery. And so we went. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's quite intense. Phoebe Fleur, for you to to leave everything in London, all of the friends that you'd known and mm. and move to a, well, a very different culture. I mean, m my story is, our story, our family story is we, we took our kids to Washington, D.C., which mm. for seven years, which, and, so, and in there, some of them were sort of your sort of age. Mm. But I, on the face of it, it's a, that's a very different proposition, isn't it? Because it's, I mean, actually, America, as, you, as we all know, is very different. doesn't yeah. look it from the outside. But, but going into, going to Chennai, what was it like those first few weeks when you sort of landed there and your eyes are on stalks as you're walking around? Had you been before? No, we, we, I think your, our parents went for like a, a, a recce mission. Um, and then we went, our first weeks were really strange because we didn't have a house and we weren't staying in a, in a hotel, which I think like new recruits <laughs> normally do. We stayed in a, an apartment where we, um, we had these two like young Indian boys living with us and they were supposed to like cook and clean and, and like help around the house um and that was like expected that you like learn to work with that and live with that and it's kind of disrespectful not to and then but then that was really strange because Flo and I would come home from school and like try and do our homework and it, there was like two random boys there and like it was that was just bizarre mm -hmm. I think school was like a saving grace because we went to an international school so and, and that it had a pool and palm trees so I was just like completely enamored with that I didn't really <laughs> like mind too much else but yeah it, the first few weeks were just just very strange mm. yeah I enjoyed just like nuts like, I don't think we knew what was happening basically mm. yeah I think the words hot and spicy kind of <laughs> stood out yeah. it was just incredibly warm and all of the food was very spicy and that's kind of mm. really genuinely all I remember from the first couple of months there mm. it's extra the 
I, I don't, I mean, lots and lots of people hearing this will know what culture shock is uh, and you do. There's, but there's something about that extremity of culture shock where there are three temperatures in Chennai, hot, hotter and hottest. And we arrived in January. So that's actually quite mild. But, you know, that's hot. 38 degrees. The humidity is extraordinary. It gets up to over 40 degrees. Um, very, very noisy constantly. Um, obviously, we're being stared at a lot. The girls at that point both had very pale blonde hair. So, we, you know, you're a novelty. It's not a city with many expats. It, many more now, not so much then in 2012 as it was. Um, and I think your whole body and your mind goes through it. You know, our bodies mm. were, you know, of course, we <laughs> stomachs were in all sorts of shape. The girl, we had mosquito bites, just that like your entire Sunburn. being yeah, is under is, attack. <laughs> yeah, it's extraordinary. And you have to just go through this sort of mangle and then you do come out um, adjusted after after some time. But, you know, the, the purpose, the extraordinary thing was that um, while this was challenging at the same time, it was the gift, which is that we were living a kind of hybrid world. We weren't full on expats um, with sort of a mansion in the swimming pool and, um, you know, endless sort of yeah. expenses accounts um, like lots were. But we were neither were we full on missionaries. You know, let's be honest, our kids were in the international school uh, it was a salaried role with International Justice Mission. We had a beautiful, beautiful house. But our lives were very much um, more integrated with Indian life because all of the team at IJM in Chennai, apart from some interns, are Indian. And so and they just wanted us to be part of their family. So we would yeah. go and visit the office a lot. And, you know, our lasting relationships are with those people from that time. It was a, a really incredible thing to be immersed in, for sure. And you were there for uh, two two years, is that right? Two and a half years, yeah. And then, but what was, did you, you, you talk about culture shock, but what about reverse culture shock? Did any so of you have that? I personally didn't. I really enjoyed coming back. I think, I think, yeah, I was just very excited to kind of get back into England. And I can look back on India with fond memories now, and I'm very glad we did it. But I think it was also time for me to come back. And I was starting year seven. So it was kind of a natural new beginning. Anyway, I think it was harder for Phoebe because she had to slot into like, year halfway nine. through a school year where everyone's already very cliquey. And you know, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd settled in the school probably a bit more. And because I was older, like I'd been really involved in like the drama at the school and the swimming. Had like my whole setup going there, <laughs> um, yeah. And then joining. You mean in India? Sorry, in India. Yeah. yeah. And then coming back. Yeah, I think reverse. Yeah, reverse culture shock was just way worse because it was unexpected, mm. and also I was a bit older. Whereas, like when we first moved to India, I expected to not know what was happening. But then when you come back, you expect to know exactly what's happening. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was just strange because I'd never interacted with anyone in from like Britain or who lived in Britain in mm. England my age since like I was like 10 and I was now 13 which actually is quite a big you know you change quite a lot in those years so then yeah that was strange I mean I did ultimately settle in and I'm I, yeah I loved Grey Coat by the end my school but it was a lot harder than I expected I I'd suppose. say it took you a year I um, think when I look back yeah maybe like yeah mm. by the end of year nine things were better but like the whole of year nine was just quite like just very strange, yeah. So I love, I, I actually, you, you put yourself down, Ray, all the time about your parenting. and uh, But I look at you and Andy and I, and I think of uh, just the, the way that you've brought up your kids is, sorry, not kids, women. Ladies. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're kids. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just find it really impressive um, because they are fabulous people and they have a, 
they've got their head screwed on that they're not you know they haven't rebelled totally against you and deny that they're even you know jamie yours could be the opportunity to find out (laughs) but you've always been you know the way that you have uh shared your faith with them is has been a real encouragement to me that actually just just be normal about it just you know it's there it's it's, um i'm not going to push this on you Hmm. I think, oh gosh, I mean, who knows what we're doing? We're all making it up as we go along, aren't we? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Genuinely, I uh, I think one of the things that I was given, which, which which was difficult probably at the time, is that I grew up in a Christian home, but my mum and dad um, were unhappy, yeah? So theirs was a very unhappy marriage. Mm. Um, they were very committed to sticking at it, which they did for 35 years, which I'll forever, um, you know, honour them for. And we were one of those Christian families, you know, you've been that, you know, we've been it, right? You know, you're at the front, the kids are doing the music, the kids are doing the drama, dad's the church warden, mum's running, obviously, the catering enterprise. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the prayer staff, it's all, you know, all singing, all dancing Christian family. And I know that my mum and dad had great, you know, influence over people and they were wonderful Christian leaders and they mentored people and they taught people. Um but what would happen after church is that we'd come home and the doors would close and then my sister and I would sort of sit on the stairs and eavesdrop and you know it was just they were unhappy together and actually one of the things that they gave us in that is firstly they were actually quite honest with us um they couldn't hide it it was never you know no voices were ever raised it was just there was a sadness they they were young working class people who got married because that's what you did and their community of friends got married young and you know it's all nothing radical about that but what they gave us was this capacity to be honest and so I am someone who I have I'm very very impatient with um gloss and I seek the truth and I guess and I've upset people because I speak it out sometimes insensitively but I can't be doing with a Christian veneer (laughs) so I don't know if that has traveled across to the girls but I think we're honest about it and yet at the same time one has to be careful because you're raising children and you want them to see the stability of it and the beauty of it um mm. but life is is not always shiny and rosy so yeah i i crave one of my core values in life i guess is is, is a you say authenticity and i don't mm. know if that's helped you or not um is that a thing for you girls well, that you've I, noticed yeah i mentioned yesterday actually i'll repeat myself but um <laughs> it's I, not I really... repeating yourself because no one's heard it because it's that podcast. <laughs> I forget. Well, I, yeah, I enjoyed the emotional upbringing that we've had. I don't think I phrased that right, but I, I've enjoyed growing up in a household where like emotion is quite, not, I guess, is it, yeah, I'd say it's a centre. It's very present, <laughs> which is obviously sometimes intense and loud, but also I think that's good. me you're referring to. Yeah. I'm not a very emotional <laughs> <person>. <laughs> No, but yeah. in general, I think we're all very kind of honest mm. and it won't ever, if someone's having a bad day, we'll know. Not mm-hmm. because they're acting badly, just because it's talked about. Mm. And yeah, I think that's yeah. a good thing. It's never like come downstairs and hide your emotions, you know, it's, it's honest and yeah. I like that. But then again, me and dad are all very emotional, so I don't no. know. But then that's, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I mean. But it's also like, it's not like we like sit down and talk about our feelings. It's not like we, you know, we're not, we don't like deliberately make space, I don't think. It's just it, kind of like, or maybe you have and I haven't noticed. <laughs> maybe. No, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not saying for a second that you're perfect. No family is. <laughs> but um, I just see things about the way you interact that I, I think is great. And and Ray, you've, you've raised not just two wonderful humans but two wonderful women and 
uh, like I said at the top of this podcast, you know, I, I wanted this 50th episode to be a, a really a, a focus on celebrating women, uh, mm -hmm. especially at this time of the year um, with International Women's Day, but also not to be deaf and blind to the fact that uh, everything that's been going on in recent weeks, everything that's been in the news, especially uh, sparked by the terrible tragedy, the murder of Sarah Everard. Mm. And, and then the reflection on what it is to grow up as a woman, what it is to, for you, but also for your daughters, for Phoebe, for Fleur, what it's been like growing up for you in central London um, and obviously in, in India as well. Um, you're in Herne Hill. It's just a 10 minute, five, 10 minute drive from Clapham Common where she was last seen. Um, can we talk about that for a while? Can we, can you help, basically, can you help me understand what it's like to grow up as, as a woman in, in modern Britain? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the one thing, well, that's obviously a really like big question. Yeah. Um, like directly in response to the Sarah Everard murder has changed my opinion on what growing up as a woman is because I think before obviously you knew things some things were bad in some way that like the natural actions of, of some men towards women are bad but you think it's like instinct you know the whole like boys will be boys um mm -hmm. narrative um which is so so bad and dangerous um and after the murder murder and all of the you know conversations that arose um the main thing that's changed about like how i would say growing up as a woman in london is is that like is that you're scared a lot more than i guess i realized i was before the murder or maybe yeah i don't think, yeah. I think what's bothering is i don't think i think i've only really realized it's actually a fear in these yeah. past few weeks it, it was just normal yeah like, it that was kind like of the little, after dark yeah, feeling the adrenaline of, that you yeah. get walking home after dark and then the yeah, kind of it's... you know the little burning your chest the lo looking over your shoulder you never really think of that as fear because and now that's it's been just labeled normal life. as like fear yeah yeah and now it's because Gosh. everyone's talking about it which is really good it's become like a oh hang on that's because, i'm constantly scared yeah you know? yeah or, yeah, or especially, I don't know, the revelation... Well, I've got friends that live near... Um, well, in, on Brixton Hill, and I, I'd walk down a lot of those roads, as, as a lot of people in London do, you know, um, down the roads where Sarah Everard was last spot, and that was, like, horrendous. Just like, oh, my gosh, it literally could have mm. been anyone I know, yeah. like, let alone... Yeah, I don't know, that was horrible. But then, again, the conversations... Yeah, you are a bit more scared now or a bit more aware, but I think that will be a short-term thing um, because the conversations that I've had have been so, so good after it. I'm, I'm quite conscious of it as a, I've got three teenage daughters and, and I, um, I'm conscious of looking after them um, and not, you know, not being too molly-coddly, but, yeah. um, be, but being wise. But yeah. hearing you speak, what, what breaks my heart is that I don't know what, you're talking about I don't know what that yeah. feeling is I can have a mental understanding of it yeah that sort of visceral feeling that you get walking down the street I'm a I have I've never had that never yeah. Ray was it's it like comparison for you and I've talked to Andy about this is that you know there are certain parts of certain cities in the world where you wouldn't go at night as a man yeah, Ray, um, I go anywhere. I can handle myself, love. No, yeah, it's, not, it's not true. Obviously, that's not true. <laughs> um, so, so you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go there. But then, if accidentally you found yourself lost in a brand new city in the wrong part of town, 
you know, it's that, but yeah. in your own but your own neighborhood. <laughs> so wrong. Yeah. Makes me so angry. Yeah. This is this is your town. Yeah. This is your city. You should be able to go anywhere and do anything. Mm. Yeah, I know. Well, but we can like we we can we do have to go to places and I guess you just like learn to deal with it. Um and yeah, you come up with all your little strategies, don't mm. know where you learn them or how or who I learned them from, but they are universal. Yeah. That's something we talked about actually because I was I was surprised by my own reaction to the murder of Sarah Everard. Uh, I, I, it really knocked me. Maybe it's local. Maybe mum of young women. Uh, I mean, it should knock us right, but it really mm. caught me out emotionally. And um, I think, as Phoebe's saying, I I suddenly thought I realised that I'd never acknowledged all those feelings as as living with living with fear but you know that you switch your fear trigger on at certain points and you've got to be careful and you realize how you've adopted your life adapted sorry your life to to manage and have strategies and I realized that I didn't know no one had taught me that I needed to be frightened mm-hmm. but I remember an incident with a you know um with a group a group of girls and I just uh, you know and, a, and a, an indecent exposure a bloke went and we were 13 so I guess around 12 maybe in 11, 12 girls are learning that they need to be cautious, vigilant, and that being frightened is a thing. And I thought, when did I, how did I learn that? How did I absorb that into my entire being? And then worse still, when did I teach my girls to be frightened? I didn't. They have learned it. And what's that? Yeah, they they like me. They just absorbed it. They learned that that's what you've got to do. You've got to be aware that at any, you know, in certain times of the day, in certain places, you are going to be, uh, vulnerable and let's be honest Jamie this is about going to school on the tube mm. in the morning in rush hour in your school uniform this is not just a no- nocturnal thing yeah I think that's also what a lot of people kind of forget as well it's not just oh the sun's gone down you know the fear kits in it's kind of a it could be anytime anywhere like anybody any place and I think that's also the scary bit because there's not really a time of day that it's kind of like, oh, breathe out, you know, that's good. I mean, I'm not saying I'm constantly scared 24-7 walking down the street because that's not the case. I mean, mostly after dark. But then at the same time, buses, choose public transport. Like, there's there's things that you learn to um, to do to keep yourself safer. Mm. And um, but then it's also strange, though, because I was talking to my friends and saying it's also not as, like, black and white as, like, scared being like like scared and aware because mm. it's so much more entrenched that like yeah. when you are I don't know like 13 and you're like growing up and you get wolf whistled you're not automatically going to be horrified mm. like I didn't that, that probably wasn't my reaction I remember also like there was conversations at school where people would boast about like if they you know if they looked like grown up or if they looked like womanly or whatever so like it's it's so much more like complex than that as well yeah. It is complex, isn't it? Because because the culture is at the same time as saying, defend yourself, you have rights, this is not right, you know, men mm. change, come on. At the same time as that, you've got social media, you've got media in general, you've got Instagram saying, look this way, dress this way, um, mm. be this shape, you know, it, how do you square all of this? It's, it's super complex, isn't it? How has it been for you? You are two women who have grown up with Instagram. Uh, Ray would be, has grown up with, when she was your age, she had three TV channels and that was it. (laughs) It's very different. A telephone that was in the hallway where my parents could listen to my conversations. (laughs) (laughs) 
what do you what do you see uh phoebe what do you see as the 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 real challenges for for a, a modern woman a teenager growing up today yeah i i agree i i think i mean it's so cliche but i actually do think social media is going to be like the worst thing for our generation and like the generations younger i mean i have it and i'm not going to delete it <laughs> but i can still i still kind of think that obviously a lot of people watch the social dilemma mm. um so there's all of that side of it they're like attention spans and all of that that's going wrong but I also think because it's funny because you were saying that your mama that your generation you can quite easily distinguish between like people the the person you know and mm. what they put online mm -hmm. but for my friends my mm. automatic thing is they're the same thing yeah. right because we've grown up with them hand in hand so I've mm -hmm. never known my friends to not have social media right so when I talk to my friends online or like on yeah I don't know even just like making a plan even though my friends are quite good and we know it's all, they don't try and pretend they have like glitzy lives or anything. We use it quite casually, but I still find it hard to separate the real person and the like online person. And I think that's only going to become, they're going to like become even more, you know, um, like merged mm. as, as the generations go by. And I just find that weird. Like it's not necessarily causing any problems now, but that's just so like unnatural. I think I don't know what the problems arising from that will be, but it just that is going to be something. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What about you, Flo? Um, I think that jealousy is a big thing that um comes with social media, and I think that it's not also necessarily. The classic jealousy that you would imagine it's not always oh I wish I looked like that because I think a lot of the time when um because I don't want to go out and say that adults don't understand social media because that is not like that's obviously not the case but I think social media means different things to our mm. generation yeah. and your guys's generation yeah. and I think that when someone will say oh yeah the bad effects of social media kind of your mind immediately jump jumps to like um, problems with body image and stuff like that but it's really not even just that I mean that is also a huge problem obviously but it's also kind of just the small things like you know what people are doing all the time mm -hmm. as well you, you may see if you see your friend it's you can see your friends meeting up without you you can see people wearing like clothes that you wish you had you know you see people living lives that you kind of are like oh that'd be so nice if you know I could experience that and things like that and I think that um and as it links to what Phoebe was saying about the not being able to separate the person from the Instagram page, and I completely agree. And I think what's unsettling is I'd literally never thought about that until you just said mm. it. Because I don't, to me, they're, they're the same. The same. Yeah. That, that your Instagram page is you. And I and that bothers me that I think like that because yeah. I don't want it to be like that. And I don't want my Instagram page to, to be me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That is the kind of the way that our generation will see it. And I, I think, think that so. that's why it's such like a jealous thing because it genuinely feels like a real thing. Yeah. And I know people say that influencers and stuff paint like lies and stuff. That's and easier Photoshop. to tell that they're fake though, because it's like, you know, that that seems, I can recognise more easily that that's fake and that's not real because I don't know them. So I yeah, that's the thing. I'd be I can't less match sad. them up as the same person. If I know? see a picture of Kim Kardashian on the beach, you know, I know her body's been photoshopped, yeah, and exactly. I'm let, like, and I don't look at that and think, oh, you know, I wish I had what? that body. Yeah. I wish I looked like that. But then I'll look at a picture of kind of 
a group of people that I know and I'm kind of, I think oh I wish I was there or yeah. I wish I was friends with them or I wish I had those clothes and stuff yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's yeah mm. so it's yeah. it's not so much of like a photoshopping out the lies it's just yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. of a, a genuine like yeah. picture of reality mm. I think what we're coming to the conclusion is it's the key is to be yourself the key yeah. is authenticity it is and really whatever the world thinks about that so yeah. you know to really to dress how you want to dress to look how you want to look and it's up to it's up to the world and it's up to men to change their attitude rather mm-hmm. than women doing being so careful over here you know to got to do this got to do this to, to fit in and yeah. sort of stay quiet and and make sure that i don't sort of create problems for myself that's awful yeah. You know, you no one wants to live like that. Be yourself. Rise up. Take your place in the world. And 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 then, the I was as interested. There's uh, the the theme of International Women's Day this year was challenge to change. That you can't mm-hmm. see change unless you bring a challenge. And that might mean Ray being outspoken like you are, mm-hmm. and saying no. That let's call it for what it was. That's out of order. Um, yeah. And and to say, uh, admittedly, it then can get quite tricky for for men for blokes in that because then you don't know quite where you're right. phoebe tell the story of when you were walking in bristol and the uh, yeah. guy was walking towards you yeah well, this is quite funny just because i'm was walking with my friend florence up the hill in Brist in Br- bristol they said brixton bristol after dark and there's been so much stuff online about like really good awareness of this is what behaviors men should uh, adapt adopt after dark so you know you should cross the street um so one doesn't feel scared you should go ahead you should like make some noise so you (laughs) so that you you're not trying to be like hidden or anything yeah and Florence and I were walking up the hill and we just and this man just like turned the corner and nearly bumped into us and then we did that thing where we both walked the same way as he did and we got like stuck on the street stepping left and stepping right until he basically ended up just screaming like I'm sorry I'm sorry, and running across the <laughs> We like Bless to talk about that. Like, oh, yeah. no. I know, it was it was really funny. And I, I think we laughed a lot. We're very conscious of our friends who've got sons, you know, Phoebe and Fleur's age, and, and you know, they're getting a lot of grief at this time. Um, I'm not that sorry. Okay, yeah, that's I'm me. That sorry. Right, so yeah. That, I don't, yeah, no. Yeah, that's interesting, that's, isn't that's it? That's minor discomfort. Like, you can be uncomfortable because you're yeah. reading something online, but you're not uncomfortable walking down the street, you know? Indeed, I think it's there's been... a different been, level. Of course. No, 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 I think, I think you're, you're right. I think there's just... I suppose my intention in all, all that is how, what are we going to do here? You know, because yes, um, you know, you, Jamie, Andy, my husband, you know, he didn't know any of the things that had happened to me that I call microaggressions, but there, you know, there are a lot um, that I've experienced in my you know, 53 years. And so I think there's a kind of a, a, a whole new level of understanding that needs to take place and a lot of listening. Um, but I suppose, and it might be my age, but there's something about going, all right, then what, you know, the age old question, how then shall we live? Yeah. What we don't want is for us to not be able to look people in the eye and to communicate and to, mm. uh, to meet and to have safe friendships. Um, so what, what, what's that conversation in the middle now that we need to have? Um, That's the conversation that isn't being, that isn't being had right now is I think there's so much we should you know like cancel culture there's so much that person has done something awful yeah they need to we need to challenge them you need to stop being friends with them which like mm. i agree it should be the main narrative now because that is like the first step but what's hard is like 
obviously when you get into like the nitty gritties of actual situations when half of a group are closer with a person and and Mm. want to like help them you know rehabilitate or a lot of violent actions will obviously come from like places of unhappiness or needing help then that's a much that's going to be like a whole another thing I think where it's like yes to some extent there is like cutting people out of groups for safety and that does need to happen that is the main thing for now but we are going to come to like very difficult conversations of that's obviously not a long-term solution Mm. I read a brilliant quote um, a couple of weeks ago which was the end of confrontation is the end of unity. Mm. And as someone who I don't find confrontation in most areas that difficult, like I think we've got to go into the fray. Mm. I'm That's my natural disposition. I, I, I can't help it and, and, you know, it gets messy and I've been challenged and all that sort of stuff. But if we don't go into the fray and say, you know, ten, I will confront you because I love you, yeah, ultimately. That's yeah. what I'll do with friends because I believe in our relationship and I believe, I believe that we can love our enemies Uh, yeah exactly I mean Phoebe had an incident with uh, a friend where they did they took him to task over of a behavior Uh, certain friends want to say no no one talked to him again a couple of them said no no we're going to sit him down he responded well he saw the error of his ways yeah but I mean that's going to be a long-term thing for our group but I just but also people have different roles in it I think is what I've come to realize it's just like we everyone has different roles in the whole true thing yeah so I, I could talk to you guys all day. Here's a thought. I, I um, have made a decision, and it's a bit of an announcement on the uh, Faith with Haith podcast, is that I'm going to take a break for a few weeks. And uh, so this present series, this is the 50th and final podcast for a little while, a few weeks, and uh, and we will be back. But I think you three should start your own podcast. Um, I, I just think uh, it would be fascinating. Uh, to hear a mum and her daughters talk about everything, anything. Anyway, I'll leave that with you. That's just an idea. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thanks thanks for asking us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) You've been listening to Faith with Haith. Thank you for listening over these last 50 weeks. You take care of yourself. Much love. Mm